Welcome to episode three of EJ Sports Debates. I'm Eric Weirda with Jordan Angie, coming from our houses in different locations, and uh, on a Sunday instead of Saturday due to personal schedules. So we're going to run down uh, the Mitchell Report today, uh, finishing our PED topic from last week. Uh, Jordan? Yes, sir. Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's doing great. Appreciate you. Jumping in here on part three, I think uh, with uh, Eric and I being diehard baseball fans, and it was only fitting we would start with the, the most controversial topic so far with steroids and baseball. So we're going to do the Mitch Report. I'm not going to do a full rundown because I think some of this we've probably already touched on um, a little bit uh, in previous episodes. But needless to say, um, so uh, George Mitchell was actually a former Senate Majority Leader a prosecutor and a chairman of Disney. There's some dating facts about George Mitchell. Um, so hired in 06, he was supposed to investigate the usage of PEDs. Um, and then to boot, there was also the Game of Shadows book, which came out, um, which caused a lot of controversy and kind of put an even bigger focus on why Barry Bonds' head is inflated. Um, so it focused on high-profile players. And one interesting thing is that they did not consider the role that teams played in it. Um, which I thought to be really interesting. Um, so throughout the investigation, the Players Association did not want to cooperate. I can't imagine why. It's not like they were trying to protect players that were illegally using substances. Um, so the only thing that really I, kind of came out of it, or there was lots of things, but with Frank Thomas, he was the only player that actually was interviewed. So of all the players that they could have interviewed, the only player that admitted he was interviewed at least was Frank Thomas. Um, and and so the, just and I was the spokesman for Nugenics. Well, yeah, I mean that makes perfect sense, you know, from steroids to legitimate supplements. Using the word legitimate, unless they want to sponsor us. Hey, um, so the obviously the two big names that came out of it were Brian McNamee and Kurt Ragmonski. Um, You know, they were trainers and people that were close to players, and they were. I'm sure there were many more that weren't named. Um, I can't imagine two people were getting access to high-profile players throughout the whole controversy. But they were giving steroids and HGH to players. Um, one interesting thing, too, was there was a third person mentioned in the report um, named Larry Starr. And this is something that I either knew about and kind of forgot since it came out or didn't know. But he was a longtime trainer, and he actually testified that in 88, they had a owner's meeting um, where the team physician spoke, and they talked about how steroids and human growth hormone was a product or a problem back in 88. So yeah, I saw 20 some years, saw some of the names um, associated with that. Uh, looking at Lenny Dykstra, uh, Wally Joyner. Uh, so a few blast uh, from the past names right there. Yeah, man, it's a, uh, I didn't realize it had, I mean, I knew obviously steroids had stretched out that far, but I didn't realize that this guy was actually like testifying like, yeah, of course they knew. But yet they're hiring this guy to find out why the players are doing it. Um, so there were 89 players uh, ultimately named, high-profile players too. We're not talking AAA guys that were on a fringe. Uh, this was your Roger Clemens, Eric Gagne, Barry Bonds, Andy Pettit, uh, Miguel Tejada. Those are the names that kind of, I think, stick out in my head. I'm sure there's lots of other high-profile guys I'm forgetting about. Uh, so Players Union, um, interestingly, was not given the report before it was released. Um, so continuing the medical 
metaphorical ha-ha from uh, Major League Baseball to the Players Union. They didn't give them a heads up. They just kind of got to read it when all of us did. Um, and then obviously it forced baseball to implement the stricter drug testing that they have now, um, which I, I think was much needed considering the controversy. But um, so Eric, do you have any thoughts on that um, as far as Mitch report, anything maybe I missed? Yeah. So this all started uh, really going back to 03 um, with the Balco scandal, um, with, as you mentioned, it was Bonds, Clemens. That's when you started to hear those names um, and their involvement. Um, but also, uh, I did some research on my research as well. There were a few other ways. Uh, it was Balco. It was Kirk Rondowski. It was Signature Pharmacy, two direct interviews, and seven by other means. I That's all it said. I'm not sure what the other means were, but <laughs> who knows? But attached to the Signature Pharmacy ones were John Rocker, Rick Ankeel, and Troy Gloss. Now, there's some early 2000s and mid-2000s names right there. John Rocker, crazy closer for Atlanta, <laughs> um, said a bunch of controversial things. Rick Ankeel, <laughs> Rick Ankeel, the former pitcher, kept getting hurt, became an all-star outfielder for St. Louis, and I mean, can I imagine why he was on that? And it was then, a great comeback story when it happened, though. Yes, and then uh, Troy Gloss, uh, the slugger for the Angels, a big part of their 2 uh, World Series team. Wow, that's uh, I didn't realize I, I didn't I knew I didn't know Troy Gloss's name on that because he always thought yeah he was that uh, that that sort of surprised me um seeing Troy Gloss on there right right so um all right this is gonna come off as kind of biased and I don't care um so the the big question I took out of this and I, again this is just kind of going back in time I can't tell you I, I really had an opinion back in it was six and it was seven but so. Th- one of the big controversies, Eric, that I kind of wanted to bring up was the fact that with George Mitchell, one of his other roles that I did mention specifically earlier was he was affiliated with the Boston Red Sox. Now, they've won their World Series, and I don't think the rivalry between New York and Boston is nearly as vicious as what it used to be. Um, but the fact that he didn't name a single Red Sox player in that report, um, and it's led to a lot of criticism that maybe there was a lot of bias specifically towards boston um you know uh david ortiz great guy you know absolutely destroyed my yankees but he and my tigers and game yeah, two. yeah and a, oh, the hopes uh, and dreams yeah, of lots of teams <laughs> but you know so my, my question is do you think there was a bias or this conspiracy that exists um that george mitchell just didn't want to include the red sox in it as much as I love conspiracy theories and want to say yes, I'm going to say no on this because Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz were on that 03 drug test um, that came out uh, that led to the whole bulk of thing. But that was supposed to be anonymous and it leaked out with everything that came out with Balco. Um, so no, I think, I think everybody knew it and everybody, that was the pre-drug test era. Um, everybody, See, everybody knew what was going on, um, and I just think people didn't think it was a big deal. And sort of mentioned, and you mentioned uh, that I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a conspiracy there. Um, I know there was a bunch of 
ridicule for George Mitchell, um, blanking on, I think it was Selig um, covering up too because of his former ownership of the Brewers, uh, not naming any Brewers. And then uh, that was pre-Ryan Braun, right? Yeah, I think Ryan Braun was more of like later 2000s, but I'm not exactly sure on the timeline. Um, so here's another thing too that I actually kind of found, and I I do think there was some bias. I obviously can't prove it, so please don't shoot me on it. And there's bias on my end because I'm a Yankee fan, and you know, forget the Red Sox. Um, but so in '07, the report hadn't been fully released yet. Yet a name in the name of Paul Bird, who I haven't thought of since 2007, was leaked to the San Francisco Chronicle that he was on the report. Coincidentally, it was leaked two days before he was scheduled to start against the Red Sox in the ALCS. And his name was the only name floated. And so to me, that's what kind of put me over the edge was to just wonder. I don't think he intentionally colluded to exclude the Red Sox, but man, it's just, I'm the old fashioned man. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably not a platypus. Um, and it's just, I don't understand how he doesn't name any Red Sox in the report. And then right when the Red Sox need an edge, I don't know. It kind of goes back to the Astros discussion of, is it really cheating? Maybe not, but boy, it sure seems kind of fishy. Um, and I don't know, man, just that whole thing when I was reading about it again, I haven't thought about Paul Bird. I don't know if Paul Bird thought about Paul Bird since 07, but um, I just thought that was really interesting that he was supposed to start against them, and wow, now there's suddenly this big distraction. And instead of him focused on beating the Red Sox, now he's got to worry about getting bombarded with reporters. Um, but I always thought that was kind of weird, too. You got any thoughts on that? or? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it is interesting. I I didn't know about the Paul Bird um, incident, but it does sort of raise some little more questions than what I had prior to you explaining that. Um, Pretty crazy, huh? Two days before he was supposed to start against them in the ALCS, it was leaked. And Paul Bird even came out and questioned it. And he's like, my name being on the port side, why was it leaked? And my name was the only name leaked, you know, a picture for the Cleveland Indians. It's not like the Red Sox needed to gain advantage of the Indians back in the mid two thousands. So well, they were kind I mean, of at the end. Yeah, they had they had a pretty good team that year. Um, uh, they, they brought in they brought in Sabathia at the deadline that year. I think is that yeah, uh Grady they, Sizemore being healthy? Grady Size Grady Sizemore being healthy and also uh, Cliff Lee coming out of nowhere. Oh wow! Yeah, Cliff Lee. I forgot about him completely. Um. But so then there, there's that. I just again, I just have to wonder why weren't any Red Sox named? And to your point, maybe they just assumed they were already named from the O3 report. Um, so if that's the case, then hey, cool. I, I'm not gonna harp on anybody for it. They still should have been in that report, though, unless they just truly didn't have anything on them. But I find it hard to believe that Miguel Tejada gets named, and yet David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez don't in the Mitchell report. Yeah, it's a interesting uh, development there uh, with the whole 
Mitchell report coming out and no Red Sox name, uh, no Milwaukee Brewers named past present at the time because of their connections with the, with the people involved and their connections to those two teams. But no, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, you have, it was rampant in baseball, as you mentioned from pretty much like 1988 till the early two thousands. And yeah, it's surprising that there were 89 people named when you probably could have named 500. That's a good point. That's a great point. 89. And the gist of the report that I was able to gather was that they weren't going after everybody. They, they already assumed five, I think it was five to 7% of every roster. So their, their summation was that one to three people on every roster was doing something. And it, it wasn't just the 24th and 25th man on the roster. It was your, Jason Giambi's of the world where they were slugging and just killing the ball. And that, I don't even know if I still have not been able to find a single shred of evidence that steroids and HGH makes you hit a baseball better. And I guess that's where my mind is at the end of this whole thing is how does, what are they really gaining out of it? All they're, all they're gaining is strength. And ability to bounce back faster. I mean, baseball is a 162-game season that lasts from April to late September. And if you're fortunate, almost November or into November. And you're traveling. You're, I mean, every getaway day is typically on a Monday or Thursday where you might play an afternoon game or that's your off day. Other than that, you're traveling, you have day-night games. You need that, sometimes you need that ability to bounce back quick, and the HGH PEDs help them do that. And like I said before in all these other episodes, it's a hand-eye coordination that these guys have. It is the hardest thing to do in sports is trying to square up two round objects that defies physics. (laughs) And I think that's the biggest misconception about steroids and HGH that exists, especially pertaining to baseball, is everybody thinks that, you know, they think like bodybuilders, where bodybuilders take it just to get bigger. And that's great for bodybuilders, but your best baseball players were not great athletes, quote unquote, generally speaking. Hank Aaron never struck me as a guy that could run a 40-yard dash in an impressive time, but Hank Aaron could hit a baseball better than pretty much anybody that ever existed. And to your point, it's more baseball is more focused on hand-eye coordination. With steroids, it is all about the recovery, and that's where people lose sight of it. If you're a pitcher and you're pitching once every five days, usually by day five, you're feeling okay enough to want to start again, and your arm doesn't feel like total jello. But that's got to be a pretty big advantage. I actually think it helps pitchers more than it does batters uh, from that standpoint of how they're specifically targeting one part of their body with extreme physical activity. And they've got a short turnaround five to six days turnaround before they play again and do that over and over and over again. And it's just, 
I actually think, and this may be controversial, I don't I don't think it helps batters as much. I mean, obviously with the injuries and stuff like that and playing the field, but a lot of these guys that they were naming were power hitters. I don't think Mark McGuire played the field other than first base for a long part of his at tail end of his career. Pretty sure he was playing first base when he was in ninety eight when he was hitting those home runs. Yes. And and uh so again, it's it's low impact. It's David Ortiz playing DH. Miguel Tejada obviously was a shortstop, but he played first base towards the end of his career, or at least he did the last couple of years. And and I just I think it really it gave Roger Clemens a huge advantage. And as much as I love the man, independent, Andy had was always nicked up and always felt like you never really knew how he was going to get through the fifth start every or the fifth day, but he always did. And it's not like he was a power pitcher like Clemens was. Um, no. But, and yeah, it's not about getting it. big. It's about recovering. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely helps. I mean, yeah, it does uh, with your weight training, as you mentioned, it does help the players get a little stronger and and a little more durable. But I mean, you're looking at I mean, Eric Gagne. The name, a closer, great closer in the early mid two thousands had has the saves record in a in a season, and he and now when I see that I'm sort of questioning as a closer who's out there more than the starter, not throwing as many pitches, but yeah maybe maybe there's something else uh, aiding him uh, with the Dodgers, and he it's not like he was an all star. For he when he was great and dominant, he had a very short stretch of three to five years where he was really a dominant player. And after that, he was a setup guy, I think, towards the end of his career. And he never had his the stuff, as they call in baseball. I think his stuff kind of went away. Whereas you look at like a Mariano Rivera, um, where he threw one pitch. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like he threw it super hard. His cutter was always in the high 80s, low 90s. Uh, maybe in his younger days, he was getting it in mid 90s. But I don't know, man. It, the thing with steroids in baseball ultimately is obviously it did something or everybody wouldn't be doing it. And it it yes. really it, – it, it did something for everybody. I just think there's this misconception that these baseball players were out there and they were all juiced up and jacked up and they were all hitting 80,000 home runs. And uh, I think it had more to do with the baseball itself, which is a whole another topic down the road as far as was baseball juicing the baseballs. Well, that's the, that's the topic in today's game. Um, yeah. And the accusations of that, because you're seeing the rise in home runs yet, not as many PED suspensions. Most of those suspensions now are coming from the minors not the majors (laughs) so you're looking at are they juicing the baseballs or as i touched on last week is it the launch angle now is it the analytics that they're figuring out like all right if i shorten my stride and bring my arms in a little bit it changes the angle by x degrees which gives it more loft and it'll carry further and you look at a lot of these ballparks that they're building. Uh, other than Petco, I don't know of a single new, quote-unquote, new ballpark that's been built in the last 15 years that wasn't really considered a hitter's ballpark. 
Arizona got a new stadium. They had a home run derby there. <laughs> like that should tell you all you need to know. Um, San Francisco hitters ballpark, all these big name guys that were really crushing the baseball. You notice Tony Gwynn's name wasn't named on that report. Well, yeah, I mean, Tony Gwynn was more, was never really a power guy. He was one of the best hitters of all time as a small ball contact hitter. Well, you would think steroids would have helped him, though, if it helped him with recovery. Yeah. But, so that that's really where I want to go that bothers me about this whole thing it, is I, I think the sport of baseball throughout the, these controversies has been given a pass. And that's one thing that bothers me. I'm not the guy that takes the player's sides on a lot of stuff. But when you look at all the controversies that have come out of all three of these topics we've covered, dude, it it feels like the players took the majority of the blame. And rightfully so, they're the ones that did the cheating. And baseball tries to play this whole, well, we didn't know it was happening, or we're going to investigate it, and we're going to tighten up our steroid testing policy. And it just seems very disingenuous to do it 20 years after they already knew it was happening. Right, and as some listeners may recall, my there was a two-minute audio glitch um, when I was. I wish you guys about, could have heard that because I'm sure it was great. When I was uh, ranting about baseball's punishment, um, going with the PEDs, they basically NCAA punished them, which is they retroactively were like, we're sort of going to acknowledge that this happened but we're going to sort of take away your records but not really and that's what people remember you by now we're gonna keep you out of the hall of fame and you keep and you're we're gonna blackball you basically yeah <laughs> um, except for mark mcguire who's apparently been a coach for a while and done really good being a hitting coach yeah i mean he was a i mean i watched i didn't know we talked about last week i watched the 30 for 30 again on the summer of 98, the long gone summer. And Mark McGuire um, played at Southern Cal and was a, came out as a pitcher originally, but he could hit a baseball naturally, which is a rare gift. And they converted him to a position player at USC. He set the record, the NCAA home run record. <laughs> and his rookie year in Oakland set the major league rookie record, uh, which got, which then got broken by, again, we're going into 2017, almost 30 years when rookies are hitting 50 home runs. Yeah. I just, yeah, man. Mark McGuire, I feel kind of bad for him. Now he did make a fool out of himself on Capitol Hill. Um, which if nobody's going, please go back and watch that. When it was him and I think Sammy Sosa. Sosa was there, yeah. Yeah, because he tried to say he didn't speak English. I, I forgot. I forgot about that one. No hablo inglés. Like the Congress doesn't have somebody that speaks Spanish. <laughs> Sammy's great, man. I love Sammy Sosa, just because he's so ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah. then I don't remember who else was infectious, there. Uh, infectious personality. Yeah, he, he really is. He's like, he, he's like the uncle of yours that you know probably steals from you 
and Bubba's twenty dollars from you, but you just want to hang around him in a way because you really like him because he's really fun to be around. That's kind of how I feel about Sammy Sosa. Like, yeah, he's dirty. Yes, he cheated. Man, Sammy's cool. He's very likable. And then you've got Barry Bonds on the other side of the equation, who is arguably the most unlikable pro athlete this side of Ryan Leaf. Um, sorry, Ryan Leaf. No offense. Okay, that's uh, uh, that's interesting. Explain this. So, well, I mean, Barry Bonds was famous for not getting along with anybody. Now, mind you, Jeff Kent, who, to take that same track from another episode, he's kind of an A.J. Przinsky. I feel like A.J. Przinsky has developed a character trait, and we're just going to refer to them as Przinskys from now on. He's a Barry Bonds was a Przinsky from the standpoint of, if he was on your team, you loved it. He drew walks. He, he pointed on point, point to Eric. He got on base. <laughs> yes. He obviously clubbed a crap ton of home runs. Um, but does anybody really consider themselves to be cool with Barry Bonds? Was he ever really like hanging out with his teammates? Did anybody ever come out and say what a good teammate guy he was since he's been kicked out of the hall of fame? Has anybody really gone to his defense to say, man, he was an awesome guy. That is a, that is a valid point, And it's making me think of when, uh, when he was in Pittsburgh, um, there's a video of you, if listeners, you haven't seen it, YouTube, Jim Leland, Barry Bonds. I need to check that out. And they're in a they're in an argument. And Jim Leland, great manager, I feel should be a Hall of Famer. A little bias as a Tigers fan. Um, goodness, dude, not him, a little bias. Him. He deserves to be. He's a great, great manager. Old school, crusty manager, and it sort of reminds me of uh, the major league manager. <laughs> um, in that yeah, aspect. totally. <laughs> Uh, but him and Barry Bonds are going at it. I think it was in spring training and Jim Leland in classic fashion goes, I'm the goddamn manager and it shut Bonds up, but it's a, it's a hilarious video. If you haven't checked that out, I need to watch it. And it's funny because Barry came from obviously his dad who his dad was known as one of the classiest, most liked ball players. And yeah, Bobby Bonds. Yeah, old Bobby. (laughs) And I I did some research on Barry and Bobby, and Bobby was always known for being a very quiet guy, but just really well liked. You know, he kind of reminded me. I watched some interviews with him. He has a very Bernie Williams vibe when it comes off to him, as far as just calm, quiet, great guy, but awesome ball player. And then you've got Barry. And you could tell Barry has a sense of entitlement. To your point, Jim Leland is a legendary coach. Even back when that whole thing happened back then, I still think he was probably 25 years and it was 100-year managerial run. Yeah, I mean, mean, he (laughs) took – his track record speaks for itself. uh, Took Pittsburgh, not – I mean, to two – to to NLCSs. Won a World Series with Florida and brought uh, the Tigers back to – to prominence. Yeah, his specialty is taking bad franchises and turning them into great winners while he's there. So you've got that guy there, and he's telling you how to play ball. Jim Leland was 100% right in telling him to shut up and listen to me. <laughs> but to continue that track of thought, Barry Bonds, he would be as loved as Tank Aaron if he just wasn't 
what's the word I'm going for? I'm going to keep it as PC. He wasn't such a curmudgeon, like I think you said. And he was so unlikable. There's nothing about his interviews. I think even for a while, San Francisco didn't want anything to do with him. I don't know if he has an affiliation with him now, but you don't ever see him out in the public eye anymore. Uh, yeah. I don't remember the last time I saw Barry Bonds at an old-timers game in San Francisco. Yeah, no, and Cubs uh, did that with Sosa. Um, St. Louis added McGuire to their Hall of Fame, um, which rightfully so, and I think Cubs should do the same thing for Sosa. I mean, and... for God's sakes, A-Rod is brought back to the Yankees. A-Rod. <laughs> We're like, hey, man, it's cool. Come on back. We like you. <laughs> but not Barry Bonds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think, it, I think it says a lot there about what PEDs uh, did, and it can be the side effect too of making him almost. Uh, I mean, they call it roid rage. I mean, could explain John Rocker. I mean, that actually makes a ton of sense when I saw his name. John Rocker was probably a closet racist as well. I feel like he has cross burnings routinely at his house. I don't want to throw any. Don't sh- let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's not. <laughs> but he did manage. I give him credit. He it's the one person in a long time that was able to take New York City and make us unanimously hate one guy. <laughs> Even as Yankee fans, we were like, "Hey, Mets fans, we get it. That guy is not in a good. Go ahead and destroy him." Yeah, no, he was a. Uh, he was very crazy, and I think it makes a little more sense too. Um, with the roid rage and think that could have attributed to Barry Bonds as well and think uh, Clemens when he became a Yankee uh, punching the cameraman oh Clemens I guess we have to touch on him um, Clemens uh, I despise Roger Clemens I, as a Yankees fan yeah I mean he's not likable um, and one of my things with Roger Clemens is 2003 and they're playing the Tigers. The Tigers that year finished 43 and 119, second worst record in history of the game. But they're playing the Yankees. Yankees always drew in Detroit. But this one was special because he was sitting on 299 wins. And my dad, my mom, me and one of my hockey teammates went to the game. We're sitting in Comerica Park, upper deck, in the down the left field line. And we're bad. I mean, Tigers are bad. I mean, this is teams with AJ Hinch, great manager now for the Tigers. Uh, but it's not like around awful. the time they had set the losing record. Yes, 2003. Yeah, they went 43 and 119. But that's a record for you. But uh, yeah, Clemens was going for 300 and. Yankees got out to a huge lead. Like, this was it. Like, Tigers fans, great baseball city for the, for listeners that don't really know. Tigers fans are great. Uh, Detroit's a great baseball city, very knowledgeable fan base. So they knew what we were, we knew what we were watching. 300 wins is a phenomenal accomplishment, but then something Very classy happened. to you, yeah. by the way, Tigers fans. That, That's why I've always liked you. <laughs> Um, one of the one of very few reasons. Yes, um, and then what happened was slowly the Tigers started to come back, and all of a sudden 
it didn't become about 300 wins. Tigers ruined that chance in <laughs> in 2003. The team with the second worst record in history ruins Roger Clemens' shot at 300. Ah, <laughs> so that uh, that has to make you a little happy. And sort of my view uh, as a baseball fan and Tigers fan, it was Tigers eventually lost, and I think. 14 innings or 16 innings. I can't remember how long it went. But he didn't but get that win, was, though. But he did not get the win, and neither did the Tigers. But it was sort of that moment as a sports fan. A lot of sports fans can probably attest. When you have a chance to see history, you are looking at it from like, – you don't care if you're – you sort of don't care if your team loses that because what you just witnessed, you're one of – X thousand fans that saw that moment in person. <laughs> and that, that, that's, that's a moment where you can tell your kids, yes, we're Tigers fans, but we got to watch Rod, Roger Clemens get his 300th win. Yeah. And I just, when I think Clemens, I always think of the bat incident. I think of the Piazza or Mike, yeah, Mike Piazza. <laughs> <laughs> when he threw the bat, he throws the bat. Yeah. I think that was a little more. I think that was Roy Gray. The not corked bat, mind you. Yes. Um, and it, he just, it goes back to, I'll, with the guys that are not in the Hall of Fame, are just not that were clear PEDs guys, McGuire, Bonds, Sosa, Clemens. Based on their numbers, they should be in the Hall of Fame, and I think they personally should be. Absolutely agree. I one hundred percent agree with that. Be, that they should be because. In there. Because you don't know how many of the guys they were hitting against were juicing up to. But, man, they're so unlikable. <laughs> oh, I think McGuire's the most likable of the bunch. I, mean, I, know, I know you just said I know you just said Sosa's personality and all that, and I agree there, but I mean, McGuire's, well, still, so, McGuire's oh. still in the game. He's still part of the game. He's with I think he's with San Diego now um, as their as hitting coach. coach. Um, yeah. but he was with the Dodgers and, and Cardinals, which he won a ring um, with them in 11, which I did not know. Um, wow, that's a fact. There's your <laughs> fact of the day for you. <laughs> and, uh, hey, I mean, if he can make a, if he can make David Freeze hit some of those, get some, get some of those clutch hits that extended that series and gave him a World Series MVP, <laughs> he's a pretty good hitting coach too. <laughs> Yeah, dude. But uh, so just to wrap this all up, man, I love talking about this stuff. It was so cool to sit down and take the sport that I love and just get to rip it apart. <laughs> it seems it seems very sadomasochistic, and maybe it is. Um, but it's just to watch a sport that you and I both love, and we both are, as we've acknowledged I, on every episode, baseball purist. To see that sport be so dirty. It's almost laughable. And just the layers of filth that have existed in baseball or that did exist. I don't, it, steroids isn't a problem anymore. I've got to believe they're cheating in some other way. Houston. And they, that sport was just so unclean for so long. And they did it to survive. And ultimately, I'm glad they did. Because you and I get to have all these great memories. I get to sit here and say, yeah, I watched David Wells' perfect game 
and all the memories. You and I get to go back and forth and not talk while we're in college while the Tigers and the Yankees are playing in ALCS. And Miguel Cabrera is just destroying the Yankees that series. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. And I'm just I'm so thankful that they did it ultimately. And I know a lot of baseball purists wouldn't agree with me on that. They choose not to talk about it. They don't talk about steroids. You watch baseball, it's not a topic that they bring about. The the discussions, it only comes up every year when the Hall of Fame comes around. And I just don't see Bonds, Clemens, McGuire, Sosa. I don't see them ever getting in, which is a whole another problem I have with baseball, which is that it's like the old boys club. Uh, yeah, but that's yeah, another I, topic. I, I agree with that. I think it's a... Uh... I think the old school writers that still have their say for the Hall of Fame need to take the reins to the younger writers that are up and coming um, that have those votes uh, because you're I also want to know why people vote the way they do for those Um, because that's another debate too that we could have down the line on those votes should 100% those votes should be made public because uh, I, I still want to know who didn't vote for Jeter. <laughs> yeah, I, I have that too with uh, Verlander in 16, the two Tampa writers that left him completely off. Um, yeah, they, Cy Young, like, they work, stuff like that. But we're, Here's the thing, dude. They work for public public publications. I don't know if that's the right thing. They work for newspapers. <laughs> hey, nice. They, yeah, public publications. Ladies and gentlemen, there's your quote of the day. So there's zero transparency on who they vote for, and they should. Those votes should be announced as far as who was, because I would like to know if it's got to be the same guys every year, because to my knowledge... I, 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 think it's, I think it's people just being... I think they're trolling. I think they're trolls. <laughs> um, they're like, I just don't want to do this because... I just want to do this because I can. Uh, I just... Like, I don't know if it's so gets, bad. Like, because in all fairness, I mean, I'm glad we had a unanimous player, but of the recent years, the past probably five years of the Hall of Fame, the one that I thought would be the first would have been Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> and uh, instead of Mario Rivera got it, which, I mean, undeniably the greatest closer, but... Even when uh, I would admit, I think Griffey should have gotten the unanimous uh, they both should have gotten it in my opinion and i thought and i thought if it wasn't him it would be jeter like i thought hands down because of his career in new york it was he had the biggest market but that's the whole thing and i i'm gonna tie that i'm gonna wrap it up with this on the peds the names that we mentioned the markets they were in it was pressure I honestly believe a lot of pressure came to it. And I mentioned uh, A-Rod said that it was pressure to live up to the contract in Texas. It's pressure in New York, a team with 27 world championships. Uh, not, I mean, not 27 at the time of these, but <laughs> they had oh, they had 23-ish. All those steroids and yeah, all those strikeouts in the postseason until 09. Sorry, continue. Yes, but... I think that's why they took it and that's why the Mitchell report came out. These guys, it was a 20 month investigation and 
I don't. I don't read. think the Game of Shadows guys get enough credit. Sorry. No, um, they were the ones that really I think spearheaded it. Shout out to the San Francisco uh, Chronicle writers, Lance Williams and Mark uh, Finnerawada. I what a what a name, Mark. If you ever listened, I do apologize if I butchered that name um, for releasing the Game of Shadows, um, a book that I will need to check out um, to really see how everything came about with that investigation. Do you know what would be cool? It's on that same vein. I don't know if you've seen it. Vice TV has done a series. I think they're starting season three called Dark Side of the Ring. And it's all of these really dark and weird wrestling stories. They did a two-parter on the Chris Benoit murder-suicide, which was awesome in a really sad, tragic way. But they ate all these wrestlers that were involved in it, and they just talk about what happened. And they don't pull any punches. And man, I would love to see them take that book. You could call it Game of Shadows, the show or the series. And I would love to see them do stuff like that with baseball and do stuff on like Jose Canseco. And really, no offense to Jose Canseco, but I'm never buying his book to hear him blabble on. But I would love to see a third party, almost like The Last Dance type, where you take a really ugly topic that a sport or an entity doesn't want to talk about because it's part of their checkered past. And you just rip the bandaid back off and just really make it raw for everyone. And I would love to see that for the sport of baseball. Cause man, they could do, they could do a whole lot. <laughs> They've given them a lot of ammo. Yeah. And uh, baseball has a long history of dark incidents uh, from the early the show. 19- Night early 1900s to present day, it's a but it's done to it was a sacrifice they made to save the game. I it's a horrible decision, but it was the right call, I think. And I'm gonna end it with that. Uh, the Mitchell report could have named more people than what was mentioned. Boston, it, it could have thrown in more uh, like retroactive punishments, which it sort of has, as I touched on, where those guys are never going to get into the Hall of Fame, it sounds like, unfortunately. And some surprise names came up <laughs> and sort of explains behavior, I feel. So what's what, what's next on our big EJ Sports debate? Where, where are we going next? I think we're going to get – we're going to take a step away from baseball. Is that correct? Yeah, we're wrapping up our baseball uh, segment for right now. Uh, next week, we are going to do going to go into our uh, where we'll actually do more of a debate topic, where it's based more off our opinions. Our top five oh, ESPN man, I can't wait. thirty for thirties. Oh boy, it's about. I guess I have to watch them now. What a shame! I have to do some market research and yeah. watch some of them. I know, right? Watch those documentaries yeah uh, but i'm excited so um keep an eye out for those we're gonna have a lot of fun stuff we've talked about a lot of good stuff from top video sports video games espn 2k5 i'm staring at you to um yeah we're, we're, we're gonna get wacky with some of this stuff but we wanted to start this with i think something consistent and you know it's something me and eric have talked about a lot and Thank you for anybody that's listened and continues to, but 
you know, we're doing this because we both love sports. And as you get older in life, you <laughs> don't get to hang out with the boys like you and I did back in college. And I know I certainly miss that. And yeah, same I'm here. Sure you do. Exactly. Same and here that's and what the, we wanted. Yes. And that's and this. Uh, we appreciate you listening to our views of the Astro sign stealing scandals and our two part uh, PEDs in baseball and the effects it had on the game and our views of what it's done. So we thank you like subscribe. And uh, like I said, we'll be back next week with our, with a very fun topic of our top five 30 for thirties, which might actually, which I know it's an opinion, but we'll disagree to, I don't think a couple of them. It's going to get messy. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, guys, bye. Listening.